Harrison Army Rising. The church is the breeding grounds for raising godly men and women who are willing to apply kingdom principles and values to bring transformation to their respective societies. We need to have a national focus. We don't have to lose this ambition or else we work against the Great Commission. They are equipped in righteousness. Unless our righteousness exceeds those who just know ABC and sometimes others to do, but they don't do unless we see that we pray for god to raise right ministers in our nations we pray for god to raise right tax collectors we pray for god to raise right security agents they are bold and fearless standing your ground when the battle has been heated to such an extent that everyone is running away but we don't quit for we know no defeat the agenda to possess the nations. Welcome to an equipping center of the word and prayer on Pentecost hour. Stay tuned in. Hallelujah. Many thanks to the almighty God for the space to be here this morning and to celebrate you feel what God is doing amongst you. Um, I see that your praise is being sung everywhere, and I'm, I'm glad. We want to thank God for the life of the resident minister and then the leadership of this church for the good work that you are doing. The song we just sang is one of the normal Pentecost tunes. It's not an American song. Yeah, so please... Try to learn some of these songs so that the check does not become too foreign. When we come amongst you, we should know that we are here possessing the nations. We are here possessing the nations. When I entered, I heard the prophecy. There is this line of prophecy that I picked. Once I picked it, I asked the others to go and sit down and write and bring this just to confirm what the one who was prophesying was saying because God has said the same thing to me and so I thought that it was enough yes the prophecy said that we have had a week of empowerment and then he said empowerment for what he says that he is not just empowering us for empowering sake empowerment for what he says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to. The anointing is for a purpose. The empowerment is to engage the world. He has anointed me to. So we just don't go say, praising God that we have been empowered. For what? For what? How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. With the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good. The anointing, the Holy Ghost, and the power is for a purpose. And because we are here, something good should happen to our world. Not the earth, because you are not going to live forever. But as long as you live, your world needs you. And that empowerment should quicken you to be able to deliver so that through you, the name of the Lord will be praised. 
Pentecost was and is for a purpose. To help us build the church of God. I said Pentecost is to help us build the church of God. Jesus did not come just to save few individuals. But out of those who received him, he decided to build a church, a new community of people. These were supposed to take over from where he left off. So the church is to continue from where Jesus left off. It is a new community to continue from where Jesus left off. Because of that, they were instructed to wait for the power of the Holy Ghost. In us, when the disciples were inquiring whether the end of time was, was near, Jesus said, that is not the case. They shouldn't worry about when Christ will come. But you will have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses of me. So the day of Pentecost came so that the, the church will be empowered to be witnesses of God on this planet Earth. And so once we have gone through a week of Pentecost, there is a need for us to go out to do the work of God. To go out to do the work of God. We have done something. We have done a lot. That is why people are singing your praise all over the world. But there's still a lot of potential that has not been tapped. And I came this morning to encourage you to move out and do the work of the ministry. So anytime that we talk about Pentecost, we must remember that we are building something. We are building the church of God. I said Pentecost was to help the disciples build God's church. Now when we are born again, we become co-laborers with God in the building of his church. And because the church has an opposition in the devil, it was important that the Holy Spirit power filled the disciples even before they started the work. Because the devil is a serious devil. <laughs> One day somebody sent me this song. Um, when I tried listening to you, I didn't actually like it because I thought that this one sounded like um, a worldly music. But I didn't know why the fellow should send me that song. So I decided to have all the patience to kind of listen to it. And then I got to a place when the singer was saying that how can a, how can a part-time Christian deal with a full-time devil? How many of you have heard this before? Then I realized that maybe that is the reason why he sent me. Many of us are like part-time Christians, but the devil is on full-time business. And Jesus knew this. So he told the disciples, wait, don't go out there. The man you are going to contend with is a serious person. He is a wicked man, but wait till you are empowered so you can go out there and face him. Now that you are empowered, I want to encourage you to go out there and face him. Now, but Pentecost, I said, is for us to build God's church, to strengthen the church of God, build the church of God so that we'll be able to cause the kingdom of God to throw out of the church onto the streets. We need, therefore, to be careful how we build. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 3. Nehemiah 4, 3 and 4. Tobiah, the Ammonites. Now, many times when you are talking about 
Tobias, and Sambalat, and Geshon. We don't speak good things about them. We see them as enemies of Nehemiah. But the mistakes I have made in ministry, I made them because, not because I was not advised. You see, when you make a mistake and you were advised and you did not take it, it is much more painful than doing something out of ignorance or just mere error. These ones I'm talking about when people advised me and I didn't take it. The reason why I didn't take it, it was this. Because the people who were advising me, I thought they didn't like me. So before the words came out of their mouth, I've decided that I will not take it. And eventually you realize that you, you make a mistake. You should have listened to the people you perceive to be enemies. And so I have repented. I listened to everybody. I listened to everybody. So you too, please, I'm inviting you to listen to Tobias. Yeah. Listen to him. Don't always think that there's nothing good going to come from your enemy. Listen to your enemies too. Because God will use them to contribute to your success. Yes. To contribute to your success. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What they are building, even a fox climbing up on it, will break down their wall of stone. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. So Nehemiah responded with prayer that God hear us. But my interest is in what Tobiah said. So let's go back to verse 3. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What they are building. Even a force climbing up on it would break down their wall of stone. So, even though this one is a ridicule, we all have to be careful how we build. So that when foxes stand on what we are building, it will not result in what Tobiah is suggesting. So, what kind of church are we building? What kind of church are we building? So that when foxes jump on our walls, the walls will stand. The walls will have to stand. I'm suggesting this morning that we need to build strong churches, strong, powerful churches. We need to build churches that will last. And we need to build churches that will spread. We need to build strong, powerful churches, churches that will last and churches that will spread by the power of Pentecost. Let me start with building strong, powerful church. See, when Jesus first hinted of the church, he said that the gates of Hades will not be able to withstand the force of the church. And so in his mind, the church has an opposition in the devil. And the church must be said that the gates of Hades will not be able to withstand the church's move. So we need to build the church to be strong and powerful. It's like that even Satan himself will not be able to withstand the onslaughts of the church. 
we are not going to wait for the gates of Hades to, to challenge us. But the church should be a moving force. And then our forebears said that, That is how powerful the church was. They were not thinking about demons. They were thinking about Satan himself. So sometimes we come to church and we frighten one another with teachings on demons. That if demons are doing that, demons are doing that, the demons who are doing that, my friend, our forebears didn't even think about demons. It was not about the witches. That was how powerful the church was. I went to church somewhere, and this elder who was leading the, the opening prayer was talking about let's bind the devil. If whatever the devil has orchestrated, let's bind us. Ah, my friend, why are you concentrating too much on the devil? God also has orchestrated something for us. Let's release that one. And let the devil release his. Let's see what will happen. Yeah. So don't let us be concentrating on demon, demon. You see, demons are there. There's nothing that we can do about them. We go to church with them. Whilst we are here, we are here with some, some witches. Yeah. We are here also with some wizards. But you may never know who. If you are. Lift your hands. You see? And no one will lift their hand. You see, it is, it is their food we buy. We go to the market and we don't ask whether you are a witch or wizard. Don't worry ourselves about this. But let us build the church to be strong. The church to be powerful. And they will find their levels. Greater is he that is in us. Let's measure on that. Than he that is in the world. What that means is that we know that something is in the world. But we don't measure on what is in the world. Let's dip in what is on the inside. And that will be enough. We will be able to take a church. That is powerful. To destroy the enemy out there. So we need to build a church to be strong and powerful. Strong and powerful. The church ought to be strong and powerful. Enough. To answer questions. There are difficult questions that the church should be able to answer. Difficult questions. To meet needs. People come to church with all kinds of needs. The church should be powerful enough to solve tough problems. Tough problems. People who have ear impairments. And the doctors have told them, you need a device to assist you here. And the person knows that I'm poor. I cannot buy this device. Let the person come here. In the midst of the congregation of the saints, let his ear pop open. And the person will praise God forever. The church must be powerful. We must build it to be strong and powerful, to answer questions, meet needs, and solve tough problems. We, secondly, we need to build the church to last. I will dwell on building to last and then the building to spread. Not so much about making it powerful, because for that one, we know what it is. We need to build the church to last. 1 Corinthians 3. 
I'll start from verse 9. 1 Corinthians 3 from verse 9. For we are co-workers in God's service. Every one of us. You are God's field, God's building. Verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I lay a foundation as a wise master builder. And someone else is building on it. Let's read together. But each one should build with care. The King James Version will say that we should be careful how we build. So we are building a church. And all of us should be careful how we build. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be reviewed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. Or maybe it may not survive. So we are building the church to last. Whatever we are building should survive. Should survive into the future. So what we are doing today, we must always be thinking about how this church is going to be in 20 years to come. So we need to build this church to last we need to build a church, not just to be strong, but to last. We are always building against the wind, against the floods, against the rain. Because in Matthew chapter 7, from verse 24, Matthew 7 from 24, Therefore everyone hears these words of mine, and put them into practice, is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Just as Jesus told Peter, that upon this rock I will build my church. Now you ought to build your house also on a rock. Verse 25. Next verse, please. The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the wind blew, and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. Now, when you read on, you realize that the same rain came. The stream rose, the wind blew, and beat against another building that was set on the sand. And the building collapsed. No matter what kind of building you built, know that it's going to be tested by strong, fierce wind. Yeah. So, you need to build it to last. It must be strong. It must also Stand the test of time. Now, when we are building the church, we always have to think about the future, like I've said. I shall assume that all of you are hearing me are the leaders today building the church tomorrow. Yeah, so the pastor and the presbytery are listening to me. But all of you will be included as leaders building tomorrow's church. Whatever you are doing today, you should think about a church that will last. A church that will last. Now, why should leaders think about tomorrow? Why should we be thinking about building the church to last? Why should leaders be mindful of the future generation? Because the primary reason is this. Leadership is about tomorrow. 
Leadership is about tomorrow. Any nation whose leaders do not care about tomorrow, that nation will not, will not grow. It doesn't matter who becomes the president. That nation will not grow. If all leaders are thinking about today and what they will eat, so they'll go and get involved in Galamsey and then destroy the vegetations because they want money today, then that nation will not survive. It will not grow. It will remain poor. Leadership is about tomorrow. When leaders of nations turn all that they love is to have a new building somewhere, a new car somewhere, it is all about them. No, it will not grow. Imagine the same with this church. After going through all this week of empowerment, I'm saying that the empowerment is to help us build a church that will be able to conquer the world. And we need to think about tomorrow's church. Tomorrow's church. Secondly, human beings expire. Human beings expire. We do not live forever. And so we must always know that we live in a period. So we must think about tomorrow. There is a limit to what we can do and how far we can go. As people, there is always a limit to what we can do and how far we can also go. So we must be concerned of the future. Now, we live in a certain time and space. We all live in certain time and space. Now, no generation, so far as the church is concerned, can possibly finish the work because every day sinners are born onto this planet Earth. Every day. That is why when you go out on rallies and then you make the altar call, the first group of people to respond without any hustle are the children. They will come running. Once you see them running, don't say, go and sit down. And that you are looking for the elderly people. Use your net to harvest all of them. <laughs> harvest all of them. Use the net to harvest all of them. They are your best product that you have gotten. Because they are going to ensure that tomorrow's church they are going to ensure that tomorrow's church, every generation comes with its own challenges. And it takes the people of that same generation to deal with the challenges. Now let me open it up a bit. You see, this church will be going forward. And as the church moves on, please come. You see that he's in his max. Partly because he's an old man. He's an old man. So remove your mask for a moment. You are not afraid. No, no, no. This one was once a presiding elder. Now, if you joined this church just yesterday, you may not know the value of this man. You may not. But we can't take him into the future. We can't. We can't carry much into the future. We will get to a place where he wouldn't know what to do. 
because he had grown beyond his generation. And he, he will not solve the challenges of the day. It will take his children and his grandchildren to solve the challenges. Have I communicated? So when we are talking about building the church to last, we must think about the next generation. The space we give them in church and what they do. The space we give them in church. Thankfully, he has given us two as of mommies in the church of Pentecost. Yes. He has two uh, ladies and both of them are ministers of the church. The last time I met him, I said, Osofo, thank you very much. He has committed his all to us. So, that is it. So, God's instruction to Israel to possess the nations was not about the aged. Not at all. When God said, possess the nations to Joshua, he was not talking about the old folks. Because even those days, they were supposed to battle to conquer. And it was not about the aged. Let's take this favorite test of mine. Joshua 13 verse 1. Joshua 13 verse 1. When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, You are now very old, and there are still many large areas of land to be taken over. What does this mean? How do you read the heart of God behind this one? When Joshua had grown, what? Old. The Lord said to him, you are now very old. And there are, what? Still, very large areas of land to be taken over. What is God's wish here? What do you think God is wishing in his spirit? Whatever you say is correct because you... What do you think God is wishing? Yes, he says he wished that Joshua hadn't grown old. But he is now old. Let me say this. There are certain people whose replacements is difficult in this life. Finding a Joshua in the midst of the Israelites is not easy. There was this fellow who was retiring. I was supposed to preach at his retirement service. When I just got there and I saw his face, I became emotional. Because he has taken so many years to build that kind of ministry and that kind of character. You can't just pick anybody to replace him easily. Like Joshua. Joshua who always said that if God has said it, then he can do it. Unlike the Moses generation who always want to put an experiment on what God has said and to test it and to question it. Joshua's generation was not that type of generation. And so now that he is old, God wished that he never grew old. Because the battle to possess the nations is not also for the aged. Soon Joshua will die. Let's go to Joshua, chapter 24, from verse 29. After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at 
the age of what? 110. Let's move on to the next verse. It's gone. Yes. What is there? And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timna, Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Verse 31. Israel, now pay attention to this. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who had lived him, Joshua. Many times we have been blaming Joshua too much. But Israel served the Lord the lifetime, throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders, some elders outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. Hold this. Joshua served the Lord throughout his lifetime. So he died at age 110. Some elders outlived him. And because these elders have also experienced the Lord, they were also able to hold on to the Lord. So there was no problem. Let's move to the next verse. And Joshua's... So let's go to 33. Now, they brought something about Joseph, but I don't need that. Now, 33. And Eliezer, son of who? John died and was buried at Gibeah, which had been allotted to his son Phinehas in the hill country of Ephraim. Now, why is this important in what I'm saying? So how many people have been reported dead so far in this scriptures that we have read? Two, Joshua and Eliezer. Now, we die in generations, all things being equal. We die in generations. When you hear that an old man of 80 years is dead, don't think that he alone is dead. People around that age, they are all going. Now, Joshua is supposed to be Moses' boy, his aide. And Moses' big brother is Aaron. And Eliezer, who is also reported dead, is Aaron's son. All things being equal, Moses and Aaron will be of age. This one is just coming after this. And then, Joshua and Eliezer will be contemporaries. Have I communicated? Yeah. So if all things be equal, if Joshua dies, give Eliezer... How many years? Yes. Few years. He will also go. So when we are building churches, let us remember that we must be careful of generations. Because we all will move away in generations. And let's think of the next generation that is going to succeed us. So that the church will be able to last. One of the mistakes we make is to just ask the children to come to church and move to the children's ministry. That is terribly dangerous. I met this Sunday school boy and I said, how are you? Say, I'm fine. Hey, chairman, I'm pleased to have met you today. Hey? Today I'll sit here. Say, sit where? 
I'll sit here. He's suggesting to me that today, no children's ministry. I'll sit here. And then from the look of his face, it's like he's determined to sit. And no one can sack him. Then I said, why? What is your problem? Say, they have not been allowing us to sing some of their songs. I wanted to understand what he's saying. Then later on, once I kept interacting with him, I realized that this Sunday school, they always ask them to go to Sunday school. And they always go and sing, bone standing, bone standing, without instruments. And the boy is saying that they have been denying us. Sunday school is our next generation church. Anytime that they come, start the service with them. Continue with the praises with them. Let them participate in their worship. And when it is preaching time, let, let's break into track sessions. Let the Sunday school people go. Let the teenagers go. Let them quickly hurry up close and come and join us for the fire and see. Otherwise, especially the teens, when they are growing up, you don't even see them in the house because they spend most of their time in school. And then when they come here, and you also group them for teenage service, what you are doing effectively is creating a gap between them and us. That is why for some of them, when they join us, they are not, they are not so happy. They want to look for churches that are like school churches. So they'll go to another church where the people are always jumping, and he thinks that this is where revival is. Have I communicated? Am I saying something to those of you at the platform? I, I, I am praying that when I leave, the presbytery will go and sit down and work on this. And I pray that nobody will change your mind. Please. There are certain people when I'm going, say, oh, don't mind the chairman, but mind me. Yeah. You see, all of us will be collected to glory. The next generation, we are effectively pushing them aside. How can the teenagers worship with us once a month? It should rather be the reverse. If there is anything about teenage, let them do it once a month. Otherwise, let them be part of the church. Let them be part of the church. Because we need to build this church to last. If the teenagers have a choir, invite the choir to sing before they go to their session. You see, they don't want to go and sing to themselves. You see, when you're a teenager, you want to sing to your father. You want your father to know that you can lead the choir. That is your pride. But when you group them there and they, are, they have their own choir, who, they are singing to who? And soon, when they come here and we bring a song like, Aham Pony Nesruhor, and say, Meanwhile, we have been saved by this Aham Pony Nesruhor up to now. And so at least they must know that this is the tradition. They can top it up, but they cannot kick against the tradition. But if we don't teach them well, they will think that we belong to a certain kind of old school. Let us gradually bring the succeeding generation on board. Let them sing. And then to the children's ministry. <laughs> As for them, every Sunday... The aqua should sing. No negotiation. Don't say that there's no space. 
there must be space. Let them sing. Let us clap for them. And then you say bye-bye to Sunday school. You see that when they are going, they feel good. Because at least they have come to sing. And they know that this is where they belong. So once they are 13, they rush here. If they are 13 and they don't want to come, it only means that we have created it. Let us build this church to last. Let us build this church to last. Sure. Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. From verse 10. Shall we rise and read this together if you can? Uh, my friend, come. Yeah, so Isaac will lead us to read. It's gone, so you can turn and face this one. Okay. Please let's read. That whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Now, so a whole generation had been gathered to the ancestors. What kind of generation is this? What is he talking about? He's talking about the Joshua generation and the elders who had experienced God and lived for God. They have all been gathered. Yes. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. So there is going to be trouble. There is going to be trouble. There is going to be that generational gap. And a new crop of people are going to come who do not know the Lord. Fine. Please listen to me. How many of you are Arsenal fans? Let me see your hands. Fine. How many of you are Chelsea fans? Okay. How many of you are fans of Kumasi Asante Kotoko? Yeah. Now listen, listen, listen. All the churches in Europe are being closed. But when it is Saturday, when it is Friday, when it is even Monday, and this man is going to the stadium, he goes with the wife, with their two boys in Chelsea, Jersey. What they are teaching these boys is that you are Chelsea forever. And this is where you belong. You are Chelsea forever. And this is where you belong. Because there came a generation in Europe who never knew God. But they knew football. They knew football. And today, if I have to ask you this simple question, where is your child? There are a number of you who do not have your children even worshipping with us. Yeah. Because there is a serious mistake that we are making. If you love this church, why is your child not here? So when you are gone, who will fill your seat? There are so many of us who do not even have raised family altars at home. We don't even pray with the children. We don't pray with the mother. We don't pray, gather the children to fast and pray. So while the children are growing up, what they know is what they pick from school. Soon they will come and start bluffing on the church of Pentecost because you never had family devotions where you teach them about the values of this church. There are so many good churches out there. But the church of Pentecost is also a good church. Oh. Shall we just lift up our hands and begin to pray for your family? If you have not made one, 
pray against your future family. If for any reason you are omitting the devotions at home, your house will be your first church. Last week, this you have been empowered, empowered to start a church in your home. Shall we pray in the name of Jesus? Father, help us in the power of the Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus. Sonde bikitanda da 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 babam. Beitayanda. Please sit. E. Pinto has said, the society that hates its youth has no future. The society that hates its youth has no future. So we don't have to hate our youth. Otherwise, this church will have no future. So we are building it strong. We are building it to last. And thirdly, we want to build it to spread. We want to build this church to spread. From Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the mandate was to begin from Jerusalem. But it was not supposed to end in Jerusalem. It was to continue to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The church must be built to spread. It was to continue to the ends of the earth. You see, the gospel is not like pulling grains. It does not travel on the wings of the wind. Not at all. Some people were full of Pentecostal power, like you, who have to carry the gospel. That is why I'm saying that we need to move on with the gospel. Any church that really wants to grow must be evangelistic in nature and in pursuit. Any church that really wants to grow must be evangelistic in nature and in pursuit. Every member of this church, if we really want to grow this church to spread, must be an evangelist. That is why the apostle Paul told Timothy and his friends that I know that you are a pastor, but do the work of an evangelist. Let's sit back and look at this church. This is Amsterdam City Church. They are doing very well, pretty well, but they have some strategies that I think we ought to learn. And some of them we are doing them, but let it challenge you because this church should be built to spread. City Church, the main strategies used in the agenda to possess the nation are first of all, soul winning. Everything we do is linked with soul winning. Extreme emphasis is placed on winning souls. We set weekly, monthly, and yearly budgets for soul winning. We make our actuals in terms of souls one very public to the entire church. Members have even testified that they stayed, for example, because of how they were welcomed by protocol, the word, media presentation, or by a song ministration. The entire church is conditioned to this task. We win souls almost every Sunday, actually celebrate this and are disappointed if we don't. Secondly, we have a gospel approach. At Amsterdam City Church, the gospel of Christ, 
which is the love of God for mankind and the power of salvation is our normal. We realize that there is one message everyone can relate to and that is love. God is love. We literally took the chairman's concept of gospel Sundays and made it our regular and it works. Sermons are therefore in themes and very intentional, geared to win a soul at climax of the service. Bible Academy, our weekly service, which is the Bible studies, has the character of a Bible school and therefore makes it more relatable. Preachers Digest, we train, align, and rehearse preaching from a Christ-centered perspective. The third strategy, evangelism. The entire church is admonished to evangelize. This is not singled out to a particular group. The Gospel Unplugged, a weekly or monthly street activation which combines songs and word, occurs at prime locations in the city of Amsterdam. There is a strong follow-up. There is intensive weekly check on members. In terms of outreach, the church visits old people's homes, gives donations, and tackles several socioeconomic issues in the community. On a recent visit, an elderly woman of over 90 years gave her life to Christ. Through our homeless outreach, a man gave his life to Jesus and is now a member of the church. With our prison ministry, the young men of the church play football with juveniles periodically with the aim to introduce Christ to them. Many have promised to come to church once they are out. At Amsterdam City Church, we, we always say, the more you know Jesus, the more you know you. Thanks for listening to today's word. Subscribe to our social media handles for life-transforming messages.